listeners welcome to 10x growth podcast this is your host preeti padmanabhan technology executive investor and board member in this episode we will review the book the servant a simple story about the true essence of leadership by james c hunter set as a story at a retreat center on the banks of lake michigan the servant gives a unique perspective on modern yet time tested leadership principles we are excited to have sanjeev kapoor vp of marketing operations at linkedin as our guest today sanjeev welcome to the 10x growth strategies podcast thanks so much preeti it's so wonderful to be here so tell us about your career journey sure um so preeti i started my career at mckinsey in singapore where i had the chance to learn about business strategy and also just experience many different industries After about five years at McKinsey, I realized that the industry that I was most passionate about was tech, and so I moved to Silicon Valley to join Google's strategy team, and then I moved to LinkedIn. You know, one cultural tenet that we hold dear at LinkedIn is transformation, and my transformation moment came about two years ago when I moved from strategy into marketing. In my current role, I lead five marketing functions: pricing, market research, digital marketing, marketing analytics, and marketing technology. and it's been a really fun two years in marketing and i feel so fortunate that i have a i have a role where on a daily basis i get to combine strategic thinking with driving day-to-day business results you know that's a great experience that you have across countries across different functions so that's a rich experience and i'm sure our listeners are going to really enjoy your insights uh, overall so tell us about this book why did you choose to read this book the servant Yeah, you know, pretty every leader I think develops their own leadership style. And until a few years ago, mine had been honed on this concept of deep care. Essentially, my belief was that if you focused on hiring great talent and you devoted yourself to caring for them, that you would create a team that was both happy and motivated and that my deep care would bring out the best in them. And then about 3 years ago, I heard about this term servant leadership and it just really resonated and that led me to this book. You know, looking back, I'm really glad I read this book as well there is some overlap between my old deep care philosophy and servant leadership there are some important differences which I'm grateful to have learned a lot more about Absolutely I think the starting with the deep care philosophy has really I helped hone many leaders and I can see how it's influenced your journey uh, so talking about uh, deep care and some of the concepts from the servant leadership in chapter 1 the participants of the retreat outline 10 characteristics of leaders that they admire right what are the top 3 characteristics among that that resonated with you oh boy it's it's really hard to choose 3 but if i had to i think the three that resonated the most with me would be caring trustworthy and holding people accountable you know i really don't think there's a right answer here and i think it really comes down to personal values But, you know when i reflect on the leaders that i've admired the leaders that i would walk on fire for they all have had a combination of these three traits and you know let me try to offer you my rationale leadership is described in this book as getting things done through people and so that implies that there are two aspects of leadership that are critical the first is getting things done which is why i think the skill of holding people accountable is important and the second aspect is doing it through people you know i have found that the most effective relationships that work are those that are based on trust and my belief is that when you care for someone and you show yourself to be trustworthy 
it just goes a long way in building trust. Absolutely. I think you summed it up very well, right? Getting things done is one thing, but doing it through people and keeping them motivated through trust certainly seems a much, much better way than the traditional approach of top down. Uh, so that's great. Thank you for sharing that, Sanjeev. Uh, let's go to chapter two. And in chapter two, the author talks about the paradigms that guide our life. Tell us some of the old and new paradigms that have influenced your leadership and any changes you had to make along the way. Oh, this is such a great question. You know, um, my old leadership paradigm, as I mentioned, was built on this notion of deep care. If I hired great talent and I cared deeply for them, my team would be happy and automatically do the best work. So my primary focus used to be ensuring that my team was happy. To give an example, I used to start every one-on-one with a happiness check question. But reading this book made me, made me realize that I had to evolve this approach. This book defines servant leadership as having two components, getting stuff done and serving and loving your team. So we examined these two components. My DPA approach did not have enough focus on the first component of finding effective ways of getting things done. So I was just not investing enough in activities like setting a compelling and clear vision, holding people accountable, keeping track of progress and so on. And then if I move to the second component, which is serving and loving your team, I realized that I needed to refine the way I thought about relationships. So to give you an example, this book does a really nice job of distinguishing between needs and wants. And then a good servant leader identifies the needs of his team rather than, than just their wants. That is so important because uh, you can always start with the trust and serving and loving the team, but then as a team to be successful, you need to get stuff done. And uh, it's a great point you brought about the needs and wants and making sure you take care of the needs. Let's elaborate on that want versus needs for our audience. So can you tell us what is a want versus a need? Yeah, I'm no, happy to. You know, one thing I love about this book, Preeti, is that it has very clear definitions of different terms. So I think the way the book defines a want is that it is a wish or a desire without any regard for the consequences. While a need is a legitimate requirement for the well-being of a person. So an example of that at work could be, you know, a want would be a desire for a quick promotion, while a need is actually an opportunity to learn and grow. As you mentioned, the book gives a lot of examples also in how you can distinguish between wants versus needs. Uh, so that's certainly a good way to look at and for leaders to understand how they can distinguish the two. Let's look at chapter three that highlights the power versus authority. When I first read this chapter, like uh, these uh, characters in the story, I was surprised, like, how can you have authority without power, right? And how does having power not mean one has authority on someone else? And have you seen this principle play along in your leadership journey? Oh, absolutely. You know, I think it might be worth first just defining the difference. So power is defined as the ability to force someone to do something because of your position while authority is a skill of getting people to willingly do something because of your personal influence. I observed this difference very early in my career. You know, in consulting, you tend to have a new manager for every project. And as a result, you get exposure to just many different management styles. I noticed that with managers who led based on authority, I was always happier and inspired to the extra mile. And it wasn't just me. I noticed that entire courts of people wanted to work with these managers who, who, who operated based on authority. 
Even today, although we're in very different fields, I still look up to these old managers of mine who lead on authority and I seek the guidance and, and advice. I think that advice goes way beyond just the professional world, Sanjeev. You know, we have to have this authority and influence in our personal relationships when we are trying to get stuff done in our communities. And certainly being able to bring that influence across all your facets of your life is going to make us successful. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's take a move here to love and leadership. That was also a big surprise for me when I first heard the word love in a book on business. And so in chapter four, uh, so my question is, does love actually have a place in our professional lives? And tell us about the particular agape love that's described in the book and what it means to you. Yeah, you know, I thought this was maybe the most beautiful chapter in this book. Uh, I believe agape love must have a critical place in our professional lives. You know, today companies realize that the greatest asset is their talent and having leaders who can attract and retain great talent and motivate people to do their best work is just so critical to a company's success. According to this book, agape love is a great way to motivate people. It refers to an action and not an emotion. You know, I think agape love means extending yourself for others by identifying and meeting their legitimate needs. So what this means to me is that at work, I try and demonstrate this by ensuring my team is one, working in projects that are impactful, two, that they have the tools and resources to be productive, and three, that they have the opportunities to learn and grow. And I have found that this approach to loving your team truly leads to very fulfilling outcomes. This is certainly a chapter that uh, many people are going to really get benefit from, right? I, I do hope that the uh, folks who are listening will take some time to explore this agape love and how can that make their lives better. So let's talk about the next concept in the book, uh, which is in chapter five, about creating the right environment for the team to blossom and grow. Right. And here, uh, the author talks about how when you're trying to create a garden for flowers to bloom and plants to grow. Right. So the same thing for your professional world. What are some cultural elements that you have seen to help your team perform well and blossom? I think this is such an important question, Preeti. You know, I think an, an important way a leader can scale is by building the right culture and the right environment. When I reflect on sort of my teams, I've seen three cultural elements help my team perform well. The first is holding the team accountable to a high bar and helping them achieve it. The second is intellectual honesty. And the third is empathy and compassion. So if I just start with, with accountability, my belief is that everyone has a deep intrinsic desire to do their best work. And to help them achieve this, I believe a, a leader has two duties. The first is pushing the team to their full potential by setting a high bar but also ensuring that they don't feel alone and that they know that the leader is there every step of the way to help them achieve the goal. So that's accountability. If I move on to intellectual honesty, I think teams get to the best solution when everyone in the organization feels empowered to bring their perspective to the table. The truth is often it's the person who is closest to the data or to the customer that has the most important insight. But if they feel that they can't disagree with somebody more senior, the organization just loses really valuable perspective. And then finally, on empathy and compassion, I believe that as teammates build compassion for one another, it builds trust. And teams that trust each other just end up performing significantly better. 
you bring up such an important point it is very easy for leaders to just set a high bar and tell the team members to go for it but to give them the support and help them step by step to help the team members achieve the goal that is the mark of a true leader and somebody others would follow and be part of their teams again and again right so that is great you shared that sanjeev yeah apriti you know when i think about leaders and inspired me they were willing to roll up the sleeves and go the extra mile and sort of get in the trenches of the team and that's just so inspiring to see so sanjeev are there any final takeaways you would like to add on servant leadership you know priti i think we covered most of it so thank you so much for these excellent questions you know perhaps the last thing i'd like to add is that the author touches on some of the ideas of victor frankl and he connects that beautifully to leadership you know the basic idea here is that leadership like most things in life is a choice Now one way to describe this choice is Viktor Frankl's very famous quote that there is a space between stimulus and response and in that space you get to choose your response and in your response lies your growth and your freedom so when choosing your response you can now either choose it based on your emotions or your values and a servant leader is a leader who chooses his response based on his values which are his commitment to serve and love his team and I thought that was just so beautiful That's an excellent summary Sanjeev and I loved how you finished with Viktor Frankl's quote and that people get to choose their response right very often it's you see everyone reacts and that is not the right way to go and if somebody takes the time to pause and then respond to the situation based on their values it's certainly the great way to go ahead so Sanjeev I really really enjoyed talking to you today and I'm sure our listeners are also going to enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for being part of our 10x growth podcast. Thank you so much for having me Preeti. This was a lot of fun. Fantastic. And listeners, do check out the book The Servant and let us know your feedback. Thank you for tuning in.